Hello, hello. It's week 11, week 12. I don't know, but I got Sims and he got Flo, and my name is Adam. Week 10. Left It's go. week 10. You ruined the you're, flow. You're off on two well, No, it's week. We're going into week 11. Yeah, we're talking about week 10. We're talking about the Week 10, 10 is not over yet. We got the greatest game of all time scheduled for tonight. Giants Niners. We are recording this on Monday. You know what's actually funny? Someone said that. I think it was actually Nikki G. He goes, oh, yeah, real great game. Two combined wins between the Giants and the Niners. I said, this is another Sims and Lefko Super Bowl. It is. Odell Beckham Jr. Right. Elitis. Right. Taking on Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. And the new legend, Nick Mullins. Oh, and the new and the one thing I noticed when I had to talk to San Francisco like media this week, they're all like super excited to see Nick Sa- Mullins. Saquon Barkley. Why are they excited? They to see just, him? you know, what do we expect? We haven't really got a taste of him yet. Mm. Yeah, that's what Saquon's doing though. He's making a name for himself where people are like actually excited to go like, man, Odell Beckham Jr., but we haven't seen this Saquon yet. Josh, I'm sorry to your rundown. This happens all the time. Is is Saquon number two. rookie of the year? Is oh. Philip Lindsay? Is Baker Mayfield Ooh. offensive rookie of the year? I would go with Saquon. Nobody has been more impressive than Saquon making more out of less. Mm. That's that's what I that's what I look at more than anything. The mm. short throws that one yard down the field. I feel like Baker is getting a lot of... I feel like he's won a lot of the rookie offensive player of the weeks. Yeah. And and, and he's really the only quarterback that is consistently performing right. at a high level. Right. And again, had to fight that narrative too. I mean, at the early last week, it was, should we be panicked about Baker Mayfield? I mean, it's just constant with this quarterback thing. Well, I think it's constant. I think one thing that I've learned covering the NFL is that every week people freak out. And I saw that with the Sunday night football game, Eagles and Cowboys. Last week, Cowboys lose to the Titans. And every show that I turn on is going, the Cowboys are a dumpster fire. Should Jason Garrett be clapped? What's going to happen to this franchise? Jerry Jones says extend Dak. And it's like, ah! And then this morning... I'm in the office, yep. and there's a meeting, and I'm not listening because I'm watching the television because right. I have a problem. It's right. called ADD. And I look up, and I see, are the Cowboys secretly dangerous? Can the Cowboys win the East? And I'm going, guys, it's been one week. Their issues are still the same. Yeah. Their strengths are still the same. Right. Nothing's changed. Right. It's it's every we, every year we do this. Yeah. And it's, it, it's only the NFL because it's a week-to-week thing, but... You know, we try to be sane and we try to step back from yes, it all. Right. But it does. It drives me crazy. It's the number one thing we need to fight against is overreaction, overreaction, or stupid takes that are just leading a false narrative. Have, have you heard anything today or yesterday? I mean, I've, I'm you? kind of in the weeds today. Yeah, this is think. film watch day. For yeah, Chris. so I don't even know what the hell. Uh, I don't know if anything's there. No, I can't say that there's anything that's jumped out to me yet. Do you ever watch games at home and see something and start fake arguments with yourself? Where like Trubisky throws a pass, you're like, oh yeah, you can't throw that pass. Well, huh? in my brain, yes. I don't know if I'm speaking out loud. <laughs> definitely, I hundred percent. I mean, like out. as soon as Wentz threw the interception on the first drive, I was like, I mean, Wentz. We said, can't beat yourself, Eagles. It's like Jacksonville, got to do the same thing. I mean, yeah, I always have conversations. That's how I get emotionally invested in games. Yes, yeah. you have to. Yes. 
Oh, I was getting so angry at Philadelphia Twitter. Before we get into that game, yeah. uh, Thanksgiving week schedule, this is for next week. We're only going to have two podcasts. Okay. One is going to be Tuesday AM, right. and that is going to be recapping everything that happened uh, this upcoming week Sunday. 11. Yep. Uh, and then the other one is going to come out Thursday AM, right. and that's going to be a combination of the betting podcast, okay. and then since you're going to watch film, right. I think the notion is if we get into a game and we're doing the betting, yeah. and you have a film nut that you want to drop we'll weave it in like okay that. that's cool i yeah. like that i like that so we're gonna do two next week way to go way to quarterback that thing kid josh and i sat down in a room he was my who's the new offensive coordinator for the browns uh, freddie kitchens he was my freddie kitchens i'm baker feel a little dangerous oh i mean feel a little dangerous that's funny today. in his in my ear right now he just butted in and said he basically just told you what to do so he's he said like I he said I'm right. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> okay, I get all the credit. Freddie Kitchens in the back being like, I mean, I'm the one calling the screens. You know, I'm the one calling the you know, big tight end formations. Right? But yeah, give yeah. all the credit to Baker. Yeah. Um, Sims and Lefko Football Fantasy League SLFL. Sims, I'm going to fill you in. Yes. It was a very big game for us emotionally and physically. Imagine an NFL team traded with another NFL team, and then all those stars faced off. Yes. The guy that we traded with, OG Spleen Buster, right. which was the name of the marijuana strain right. that we talked about. We faced him, and we won. What did, who did we're, they... up, we're up We're up. 14, and we got another person to play. We still love Odell tonight. Oh. So unless Odell gets negative 14, oh. if we want to recap the trade. Yeah, I would like to recap it. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm, let's I'm, give it to OG Spleen Buster one more time. And I appreciate you, OG Spleen Buster. I appreciate your name, too. Uh, uh, we traded to him Adam Thielen, Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, and Peyton Barber. Right. And we got back Aaron Rodgers, Tyreek Hill, Tariq Cohen and Jamison Crowder. Damn. So three of our guys. That have sounds been, like an inside deal. That sounds. Did you pay him off or it something? It wasn't. It wasn't. He had another quarterback. We desperately needed one. Yep. You wouldn't let me play Blake Bortles. Right. And Tariq Cohen just started popping off, and Devontae Freeman got hurt. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It just it didn't look good from the outside. But of all the players, he probably got the most reliable and feeling. But I will say, looking at our record right now, Sims, I know you don't understand fantasy at all. What are we? Seven and three. Six we are currently. We're going to be six and four after this weekend Damn, putting us right at the top oh, okay. with some of the other we're at the top of our division and it's getting ready for playoffs what's the name of our division again our oh it's actually a funny one too Let me what are we, are we beans not beef what the hell are we no so we're in the golden spleen conference oh, okay but our division is that so lance which is the guy that I went to the funeral <laughs> and remember lance yes, that story yes. and then the other the other uh, division is big barb for, Which is your grandma and my grandma, the Big Barb hard. Division. Big Barbs. Yeah, shout out to uh, Meatloaf Meat Hen for making it all Thank possible. You. Yeah, thanks for the shout do out you, to Barber. Do you know when the fantasy football playoffs start? I know it's soon. I know it's like, I want to say like week 14. Way to go. Thanks, man. Appreciate week 14, 15, and usually championships are week 16. Okay. Which is why. it's over? Well, that's why a lot of fantasy guys right now, is it good to have Todd Gurley? Because what if they start resting them oh. towards that part? That's why Patriots, right. owning Patriots was always tough. Yes. Because you go Tom Brady at that point of the year, what's right. going to happen? Right. That's why I'm kind of thinking about picking well, up Spencer Ware. Well, that's why for the the Rams, if you got Rams players, you just root for the Saints. That's all you got to do. 
You got to root for the Saints. <laughs> That's it. That's all you got to do. Well, no, for. as long as they have to play for the right. one seed, they're going to continue right, to play. Right, right. They're going to try to play that. They would much rather have the Saints come to them than them go to the Saints. So I saw a picture of you in South Bend. Yeah. You looked so cold. No gloves. I saw your pen waving around. Oof. I had the gloves on until we went on to TV, and then I would throw them away. Because if I wanted to write something down on it or flip right. through a page, it's hard to do that with gloves. I feel Would like, like though, the, a Notre Dame game in the cold in South Bend, though, is pretty special. It's the way football is supposed to be. Because when I think of Rudy, right. I think of people clapping with mittens and hats and heavy jackets on. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, exactly. I know. And it's uh, nothing to those people out there. No, Notre Dame really cold. was not affected at all by the weather. Florida and Florida State, State was bundling up before they ran out to warm up. So it was hilarious to watch, actually. Does the cold impact NFL college players more than NFL players? Yes, it does. Because the NFL, at some point or another, you're going to get a taste of it. College, you could play at the University of Florida and never play a cold game for four years. And then you know? how long does it take those players to adjust in the NFL? Oof, a while. You know, like I said, I've had games in the NFL where... We had a, my Tampa team had a bunch of Florida guys on the team, and we went in the locker room. One of the games was against Jacksonville, like in mid-November, and it happened to be cold up in Jacksonville. And yes, it was. They're now used to it. There's nothing, no other way to say it. When Carryon Johnson had that huge game against Miami, he yeah. talked about how great it was to be back in the heat. Sure. And then when I was watching the game yesterday, and he had that fumble, I was like. Yeah, I'm almost you're not positive used to that. that you're not used to the cold right, weather. Right, and then somebody comes in and punches the ball. It's my issue with the college football playoff. It's always on the southern teams' format. It's always on that. Like, I, I'd like. How do you think Alabama would have to play if they had to go play cold Michigan in, in January instead of Michigan having to go play in some warm weather climate where they're going to have to play Alabama on their side, their terms? Mm. I know Alabama's awesome, but I'm just. But Sims, we don't want to let Mother Nature dictate. I the know, game. but the, you know, those teams have to build for that all year. They have to build for we got to play they're, in, and grass they're in the in Michigan Dome. State, and all of a sudden, yeah, it's a speed game. That's I always thought that is a little unfair to the college football, you know, northern. Big Ten type team. Alabama winning it all this year? Certainly seems like it. I do think Michigan can give them a tough time. Really? Yeah, Michigan's D can... I thought Michigan was dead a few weeks ago. Michigan's D is the best D in college football. They got some serious yes. NFL Right, they can up. muck it up, and they have enough offense. But, uh, you know, I could. that's the only way I could see it being upset. I think Notre Dame could beat Clemson in round one. Whoa. I do, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame's as good as, as anybody other than... You know, Alabama kind of. Is I'm just own. glad that you cover college football so that you're more prepared for the draft because that's, that's really all I care. It about. is uh, Eagles Cowboys Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. The Adam Lefko panic meter from one to ten is now at a six point seven five. Seven five. I am not officially panicking. But I'm looking at the rest of the NFC, and I'm going, it is a cluster, and the only way they're getting in is if they win the East. Yeah. The good thing is, I look at Washington, and I go, I don't think this is going to continue. Right. I look at the Cowboys, and I go, damn, I did pick them to win the division before the year, and now they have a half a game lead up. But right. I don't know how consistent the Cowboys are going to be, but losing Ronald Darby for the year is a killer. Killer. I mean, to Torn your secondary. With Jalen Mills and Sidney Jones already being out. Yep. No, it's I, I I don't know what else to say. Your secondary wasn't that great to begin with. And they had already lost Roddy McLeod. So, yes, exactly right. And, you know, I, I think about you a few times this year with the Eagles because of one proclamation you made before the year. 
the fact that you guys kind of escaped the injury bug last year. Now we're just getting injured to all the other players and that they, didn't get injured. You're right. And you kind of said, like, you know, last year we kind of escaped it. I know you had the Wentz and the yeah. Jason Peters, but you're like, as a whole, you did. And, and well, this I mean, year, but also, no, no, but at the same time, they lost Jordan Hicks. Yeah, uh, right, They right. lost Darby for eight weeks. Uh, they, they had lost a lot of injuries. They lost their kicker. Uh, but my thing was more they survived all those like all those injuries and they still did it. Right. But last night was also proof if you don't have Lane Johnson, it's such a bigger loss than a Jason Peters. Right. But you watch that game and yeah. and do you do you come away confident in the Cowboys? No, I, I don't. don't. Come, I I came away feeling exactly the same about the Cowboys and feeling a little bit worse about the Eagles. I came away going, I still don't know what Jim Schwartz is doing with this defense. No, I mean the yeah. My first issue would be the third and fifteen, third and long defenses where we're going to play seven guys at the yard marker and then rally to tackle. I mean, if do any other teams do that? A few here and there, but not real. It's just not. None of the good defenses do that. I can tell you that. My my thing for Eagles fans would go when you watch the the Cowboys. Yeah, all of their big plays are when they do something short and set up blockers. So why would you put all of your guys fifteen yards away right. and let two offensive linemen run in front of Zeke? I'm fine with them. Dak trying to throw a post corner. To Amari Cooper. Yeah, I, I get I'm you. fine with that. Right. Dak, load up, take a shot. Right. But the screen, that's the one thing I'm afraid of with the Cowboys. Screen, that was the changing, the the moment of well, change. He jumped the game. over that guy's head. Well, I mean, for that them to get the first down and it's 6 3 football game, and then they go down to make it 13 to 3 at half. Like, if it just goes nine to three at half, I still feel like you guys are going to win the football game. Six to three. But 10 to three changed it. I mean, that 13 course, to three. Yeah, 13 to three. I mean, yes, that changed it. Um, Leighton Vander Esch. Yeah. Are we going to self-scout? Sure. Or did Chris Collinsworth just get way too excited well, I, because um, yeah. Corey Clement is wildly overrated at this point and doesn't have another gear? Yeah, no, there's and no the right gear. tackle stunk. Well, that, that's that's his game. As long as he can go sideline to sideline and be an athlete, he's great. Great on the goal line. So he was great Nelson on that, right, right. But I got to see more of that. I mean, that would be like one of the only times I've seen him still square somebody up. My issue with him is when it gets to – when they play the New Orleans Saints the first time or somebody like that where it's downhill run, that's where I really questioned him at Boise State to be kind of that smash-mouth middle Fill linebacker. That gap. As long as it's a speed athlete game, he's, he is top-notch as we good know, as it gets. We know that the Eagles have a sick fascination with going outside. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's like you guys think you got speed running backs. I don't what get about that. Jalen Smith? Right. Where's he at now? Jalen Smith has been really damn good the whole Chris year. Because Chris Collinsworth was like, we got a new regime of linebackers here in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is. He's I was still not to where he was and he's real good but i just before i say that to to un, for everybody to understand when i say he's not where he was like he had a chance to be the best middle linebacker in football from year one that's how awesome he was in At college football yeah like when i turned on the film i knew this was the one of the top defensive guys in the draft and i turned it on and i was like Holy shit, he's unbelievable. Like, that's how great he was. He was a bona fide top five. Reuben Foster, everybody talked about him being yeah, a top yeah, five. Yeah. His film couldn't compete with Jalen Smith's. That's how awesome he was. So, if he's like 80% of that, it's still Which he's good. getting close to there. Yeah, yeah, he is 80% of that, maybe 90 now. Demarcus Lawrence was fantastic. Yep. Defensive line got some pressure. Um, but, man, watching the Cowboys, their offense, you know, I mean, 
the, the Eagles cornerbacks just couldn't even stop a slant. No. So I, I think Dallas had opportunities in that game that they're not going to be able to do against many other defenses. I would say that. Well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, I, I the thing that I'll take away from the game more than anything, I just, in 100 years, wouldn't have thought they would gash you guys in the run game the way they did. That was where I just was like, what? Man, I mean, they're gashing you in the run game. Backside cutbacks that are Do you think it was holes. because they dominated time of possession in the first half and just wore them down? I think that's certainly because a part Eagles of it. Because the Eagles offense couldn't yep. get first down? And to me, it looked like some undisciplined run fits on the backside. But, I, I, you know, again, I'll give you a better feel for that on Thursday for that podcast when I get to break down the film. But, yeah, that and what that led to a lot of the times, too, with the run game stuff is, you know, Hey, we saw, yeah, Amari Cooper didn't blow up the stat sheet, but but he showed that he's effective. And if you're going to leave him man-to-man, he's incredibly hard to cover. Yeah. He's a great route runner, and they kind of got his mojo going right now. I am so down on Dak. Yeah. I no, just don't see it right no, now, man. There's nothing to see. Your your eye is right. Your eye is like aligned wide, with your Wide gut. open out routes. Yes. Like running. There's a guy there. You can't even hit that. No. It's it's extremely inconsistent. It's all over the place. His throwing is below average NFL starting quarterback standards. Mechanics? Yes. The mechanics. What do you see Like that's blatant? Yeah. I mean, the thing I see that blatant is, you know, he what what happens to a lot of guys is the arm independent contractor thing more than, more than not where Especially he gets a strong guys. He gets a front, a sh- frozen in front shoulder and just tries to muscle it over the top. Oh, like, and that's, you know, again, you know, and you by listening to me enough, you shouldn't ever be thinking over the top. You should be thinking around as a thrower. Mm. Brady and Rodgers and the good throwers are thinking Smack around. Chest. Exactly right. Come around to the opposite breast yeah. as your follow through. It, it's that more than anything. You know, and um, yeah, the ball just does not come out of his hand clean that way, and he compromises his power with that in within it as well. Mm. So it's it's all those. Hey, other thing we got to do about that game too. You know, it's what. Well, let me just figure this out. What was the score at the time? It's six to three. Oh no, not that one. Thirteen. No, I want to still not that one. Hold on, I got notes that I texted. Just tell myself. me where it was. Yeah. Oh, you don't get the fourth and one, right? You stop the Cowboys. Yes. I just want to. We got to give credit where credit is to. And they call a fake punt. Yeah. And extend the drive. Yep. And get a field goal. Yep. Good job, Jason Garrett. Yeah. Just saying. You're right. You're right. You're right. Just trying to give him a little credit there. That was a big time call. Kind of changed like the momentum a little bit where they was like, damn, we got a turnover stop on downs. Oh, shit. Nothing happened. Okay. Here we go. Right. Kept your defense on the field like, a little longer again to continue that wear down factor. And, the worst part yes. is what, the worst part was Jeff Heath. Yeah. He's such a killer. Right. And he's they the one that got a touchdown, not a field goal. Jeff Heath was the one that tackled Zach Ertz on that fourth and seven, too. Right. Jeff Heath. Jeff Heath. White boy fa- supreme. He's fast. He is. He's done well. All right. But I still think the Eagles have a chance at the playoffs right now. They're four and five. I think they can finish nine and seven if they sweep Washington, beat Dallas, beat the Giants, beat Houston. Listen to Washington's schedule. I think they could lose a lot of they the can, games. Look, look, they can lose Houston Texans this week. Yeah, they, could they lose. can lose that. They got the Cowboys the week after that. Could lose that. Could lose that. They got the Eagles. Could lose that. They got the Giants. I'm going to say it's a win. It's a win, but it ain't easy. I mean, they barely beat the Giants two weeks ago. Then they got to go to Jacksonville. Could be a loss. Then they got to go to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. And then they got you guys again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I know. You, I mean, you, you could win the damn NFC East at 8-8 eight eight this year. That's what Who I'm knows? saying. If they go 3-3 yeah. three and, three it's not and over. we go 5-2 and two right. and we sweep them, right. they got a chance. Yeah. So it's not over yet, but we did say, I'm not going to say I told you so yet, that the Cowboys were going to win the division, but it is kind of lining up pretty good. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a win if they win. All though. I know is whoever it's wins like a win that, by default. For whoever us. wins that division, they're out in the first round because we both picked them. 
Um, okay. Patriots Titans. Mm-hmm. It is now so official that it's not even close and the writing is on the wall. Right? Right. 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 Where are you going? October 11th, 2009. Denver 20, New England 17. Josh McDaniels gets a big win over Bill Belichick. Confidence is raining high. Uh, Yep, I was there. September 23rd, 2018. New England loses by 16 to Matt Patricia amongst swirling rumors that he had lost the roster. Not only that, but also GM Bob Quinn. Yeah. November 11th, 2018. New England loses by 24 points to former player Mike Vrabel. Yeah. And former front office member of the Patriots, John John Robinson. Robinson. Belichick is allowing his former protégés that he really likes to gain confidence and to allow them to have a win over the esteemed Belichick. The only person that's not beaten Belichick is Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Bill is, O'Brien's over five. And but you know so what? close. I don't think Bill Belichick thinks Bill O'Brien's a Belichick guy. <laughs> I really think Bill Belichick looks at Bill O'Brien and goes, you were in one of mine. You were here for a short amount of time. You're not me. You're not Josh. You're not Mike. You're not those guys. And then that's what he's saying. What this means, though, is if you look, you're going from an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, player. It keeps going down. Right. You know what the next one is? Tape guy. Tape. Well, you know, Chris other, Sims, new head coach of the New York Jets, he's going to let you get away. Other thing you got to look at too is Dean Pease on the Tennessee Titans staff too, who was also in New England. So I did not know that Dean yeah. Pease was in New England. Oh, I thought yeah. he was a Baltimore guy. No, he was before Baltimore. He was New England. So like when the when New England in 2007 was undefeated though that year, that was Dean Pease as the defensive guy that year. Mm. Yeah. So that adds to what we saw yesterday. Is there any? Um, obviously, my conspiracy theory is not true. He's not. I don't think right. he's actively doing that. No, of course not. But what, how, it's interesting that he's lost. He's zero and three against yeah. those guys. They one know what it takes to beat him as far as the coach versus coach competition thing, right? The other thing I think just to, just a general comment about the whole thing is those guys understand situational football. They understand more importantly what the Patriots want to do in situational football and the little what I would just call bullshit things that the Patriots do to give themselves an advantage. Yes. As like, we're going to get to my notes here in a second, but one of the biggest bullshit things they took away, there was no bullshit screen game yesterday for the Patriots. No wide receiver screens to set up second and one or add no running back screens. None of that happened yesterday. So there was one phase that they took away just right off the bat where they said, okay, hey, you might hit us with some deep crossers and things like this, but we're not going to let these behind the line of scrimmage passes gash us consistently through the game to make first and 10, first and 10 again, or to make first and 15, go to second and two, and you still get the first down. First thing you wrote in your notes. Right. Not sure if I've ever seen three of 15 on third down and only two 284 total yards and i would say it's not just what they did on third down yeah the titans set them up for long third downs right on first and second right by stopping the little gimmies yes the patriots oh, a little dump off to james white oh a little run up here now it's third and two exactly they were in third and seven third and eight almost the whole game no doubt me. they won first and second down to give themselves a chance to win on third did they do anything that other teams don't do um they did they did 
I, I would say, like New England, they did a, they changed looks, right, to confuse Brady. Made it look like, you know, we're going to blitz, but we dropped out. You know how I always talk about blitz zone change, right? Yes. Where they would have two defensive tackles on the outside edge of the guards, right? Okay, on the outside shoulders of the guards. And the two middle linebackers would cross blitz up the middle. And the two defensive ends would drop out. Mm. And the two D tackles who are on the outside shoulders of the guards, they would replace the DNs. So it becomes a four-man rush, but it's a different look. It's confusing. And plus, Shaq Mason didn't play, and Trent Brown only played 58 exactly. Right, snaps. so they tested that out. So why can every team do that? Everybody can, yes, but not not everybody can coach it to the sound capabilities that some of these really good, intelligent coaches can do. Whether that's a Vrabel and a Pease, or and when you say sound, you've said yeah. this before. Yeah, is it they know exactly where on the guard you should attack? Is it the lane integrity, and like also not being like, oh, we're taking a chance over here, but we're totally going to forget about here. They don't forget about anything. They still say, yeah, we're going to do this, but we still have each a guy for each gap in the run game. We're not just going to like roll the dice and be like, I hope I hit lucky seven because if they run to the left here, it's going to be a 40-yard gain. No, everybody's in a right place schematically still to where it gets to a sound defense. They just, it's window dressing like a good offensive coordinator, you know, that. And they had a knowledge of what you and I talk about a million times with, mm. when you play New England. They took away the areas New England likes to throw. You already mentioned it. The back out of the backfield, the dump-offs, the and little right short the crossers. The field. All those short things. that they, He was throwing deeper he than was, I've seen. Because that's all they had. It was deep crossers. Deep crossers, and he tried to hit some one-on-ones with Josh Gordon. They tried a few trick plays, yep. and you wrote, stay disciplined. Yes. And you underlined it a few times. Right. What did you see that was different from how other teams get fooled? They just, you know, they tried to do the fake run up the middle, fake reverse, right? And then, oh, we're going to throw Josh Gordon over the top for a big post play. No, they were all over it. They were just like, I got man-to-man. The safety was deep, and he just said, I have no run responsibility. My eye is going to stay on Josh Gordon. I've seen this story before. You know, that's where Dean Pease and Mike Vrabel came into play. We're just... You know, again, it's kind of New England. He do mm. your job. We know you always have to be ready for these trick plays, and nobody kind of went outside of their realm of responsibilities to where they expose themselves. The key you've always said about the Patriots is rush a little, drop a lot. Yes, you said you wrote here. Kamal Correa, who they traded with with Baltimore before the year. Yep. Harold Landry, the second-round pick that many thought would have been a top-15 pick. Right. And then Evans, the middle linebacker out of Alabama yes. that they traded ahead of the Patriots to take right. because they thought the Patriots won. You said all those guys popped off the field. I didn't even know Evans was a pass rusher. I know. But Evans does a little bit of that like Dante Hightower role where – you know, he's a middle right. linebacker. 54. Exactly right. And sometimes they just go, hey, it's third down. You play outside there and you rush. And he's got rushing skills just like Dante Hightower. He's not as big of a Both man. Alabama. But he's quick as hell and he's got power and he's got a spin move and knows how to use his hands. And he's advanced that way because he went to Alabama and he's already learned those things from Nick Saban. I'm so confused by the Titans. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that game against Baltimore, when they got shut out and their offensive line got decimated. Right. Um, they've had a few other duds this year, but... Now, the Dallas game and this game, do you believe that they found their defensive identity? 
Uh, yes. I feel like their defense has never been that big of an issue. Okay. It's been more, we're finally seeing their offense get to their identity, I think, more than anything over the Before last few Before we weeks. get to their offense, yeah. I, I like when you write down a guy that we don't spotlight enough. Right. This is a guy that led the NFL in interceptions last year. Yeah. And I, do, I still don't think it gets mentioned enough. He does not. Byard. Yeah. Kevin Byard is all over the place. Him and Kenny Vaccaro both played really well. But Byard, yes, whether it's the run game and how quickly he can fill the hole. Isn't you know, Kenny Vaccaro on IR? No, he was out there yesterday. Who did they lose before the year? Oh, he no. was the replacement. He was the replacement. Sure. Um, hold on. Who were, uh, was it? Was it Searcy? Who the hell was their other safety? I can't even think of it right I'll now. look it up. Sorry. But either way, they were both good. But yes, Bayard is one of the most complete. Cyprian. Cyprian. Jonathan Cyprian. They, he's one of the most complete safeties in the sport. There's really no weakness to his game. Like, I'm not going to say he's as good as Jamal Adams when he's down in the box having to do that, but he's not far off. I'm not going to say he's the best coverage safety in football, but he's not far off. Mm. He's really a complete football player that, yeah, they can leave him man-to-man on backs and tight ends, and he holds his own, and his read and react skills in the run game are amazing. Uh, you gave me two stars on the back page. Yeah. Mike Buck Cross, DE drops were huge. That's like what I was talking about just before with the cross the D tackles rush and the DNs dropped out, right? Oh, so it's still man. a four-man rush, but it looks like pressure, and it tests the offensive line's ability to pass things off and communicate that way. And with no Shaq Mason and Trent Brown not being able to practice and do those things during the week, they took advantage of that. There was nearly eight minutes left, right? and Brady came out of the game. Right. What did you think about that? I, uh, they, they said, that's enough. That's enough. Brady's been getting hit too much. They got us today. Their game plan's phenomenal. It was only a three-score game, but I think they just realized that they didn't want Brady to take any more hits, and they were going to move on and just take the L and go from there. And did you like that? I I had no problem with it. I felt like there was no way they were going to get control of that game again. You know, the other the 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 three guys on the outside, Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, and Adoree Jackson, especially Adoree Jackson, played phenomenal. But they did good jobs when they had to play man to man in certain spots. Logan Ryan shut down Edelman a few times mm-hmm. over the middle in some man situations. Adoree Jackson made life very hard for Josh Gordon. I mean, he just he stayed in his back hip and basically said, I'm gonna play for the back shoulder ball, and I don't think you can run by me. And he has very good ball skills. That's where he's special. I would argue that not many people can no. run by our Dory no, Jackson. No, exactly right. And, you know, Gordon is, Gordon's become almost like Gronk for them. That's what he's doing with that. It's, it's, if it's a big play, Brady just goes, screw everybody else. It's one-on-one with Gordon. I'm going to throw surprise it to him. you? I mean, it surprised me that it's happened this quick. It doesn't surprise me if you saw the size of Josh Gordon when you see him in person. It's a comfort blanket. It is. It's a comfort blanket. And he, he dropped a few yesterday that he usually yeah. doesn't drop. He had one back shoulder go through his hands. He dropped a slant maybe in the first quarter at one point. But, um, yeah, those, those three corners. How was Malcolm Butler? Because Mal- Malcolm Butler has been getting crushed yes. by people. Yeah, no, Malcolm Butler was very good. Even him, he had a few plays just here and there, maybe only two plays with Josh Gordon, but he didn't gamble on anything during the football game. I think that was the big thing I took away from more. And this has been his biggest issue. He's just been gambling. He's been too over-aggressive. All right, so now let's go to the offense of the Titans because I think anyone that saw the highlights yesterday, it was Mariota deep fade, Corey Davis. Corey Davis has games against the Eagles and Patriots where I go, he's a top 10 wide receiver in this league. And then he has other games where he can't even get off a a block on on a jam. Yeah. Um, This was the good Corey Davis. It was the good Corey Davis. But you wrote here, 
Mariota throwing ball as pure as I have ever seen. Ever. I mean, the ball came out of his hand clean all day long. And it really, the first drive of the game, he runs up in the pocket and hits Corey Davis on the in-cut. Like, on the run, he throws it. And it just, I mean, I was just like, damn, who is that guy throwing the ball so natural? Where the hell you been the last three years? And it continued throughout the game. And he threw every ball exactly where he wanted to. He really didn't miss a target all day long. It's two weeks in a row he's really striped the ball pretty good. So it makes me think he's comfortable. Um, he's comfortable with the offense. They have found the formula, finally, that they like on that side of the ball. And they haven't made everything so hard on him. I mean... They had a good game plan yesterday, what they did. They exposed some of the Patriots' rules on defense. They made sure, okay, you want to play man-to-man? Well, we're going to let Corey Davis be man-to-man on Stephon Gilmore. We like our matchup, but it's going to be in the middle of the field. It's not going to be on the boundary, so Gilmore can use the boundary. They got him in some bunch sets. And then basically you saw some of those deep-out routes yes. he caught, right? Or the go route down the left sideline. I mean, Gilmore was hanging on him half be- the game, right. just being like, he, I, he beat me. Because i got to tackle him they, there. They basically... And this is going to come up again. They cone the bunch, okay? And this will come up in the Bears game when we get to that. They cone the bunch. And when I say they bunch, so think of a bunch receiver yep. set with three guys, right? They The point man plays the point man. So there's the, the guy in front of that bunch. He's man-to-man, and that guy's got him no matter what. And then the other two basically just go, I got the first guy that comes inside. I got the first guy that comes outside. Right. And Davis was the inside guy. The outside guy would go outside, so he'd got that. But Davis was the inside guy now to come up on Gilmore and basically have a two-way go to go, ooh, he can go across the field or he can run a deep out either way. And Gilmore's in a tough spot because he's got to cover a man-to-man against freaky athlete, and there's 40 yards of grass to cover him on and you're just not going to do that and then uh, Mariota made those throws and you wrote Corey Davis I was wrong yeah I was wrong I didn't think he could ever be I don't think Corey Davis is a top 10 receiver but he is really good he's a really good route runner his body control is phenomenal and he has enough speed to scare the Stefan Gilmords of the world to where they can't just sit on him all game and he long. can really high point a ball he really can he's very impressive I was wrong on that one, sorry, John Robinson, you're the man. And you said, man, Gilmore, they ask a lot of him every week in another shitty NFL field. That Another shitty NFL field. But I do, again, that, that has to be talked about with Gilmore. You know, again, I, why does nobody get on Gilmore like Marcus Peters last week? You know, again, like, he let up seven catches for 125. He got torched. He's horrible. He's torched. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I just uh, to me, I don't understand why does that conversation not happen this week, but it happens with Marcus Peters. Well, I would also argue that just the Gil- game of the week. Well, Gilmore just had a fantastic week the week right. before against Green Bay. Okay, that's a good point. Um, You're right. Gilmore's awesome. I'm not trying to say anything. What Gilmore is asked to do. And one was a 1 o'clock game, and the other one was, was a, a 4, four o'clock, o'clock prime big-time time game. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. But, yeah, Gilmore is awesome. What he is asked to do, again, it, I don't know if anybody's asked to play on an island against number one receivers more on a weekly basis than Stephon Gilmore. They make him earn every dollar of his contract, and he does. And their success of their defense is because of what he does. But, yeah, they made life hard on him in Tennessee with some of their formations and schemes to go, okay, you want to do this, we're going to make it really hard on you, and we like our guy too. Titans are 5-4. and four. Yeah, I know. Is this thing going to keep rolling? I would think so. I would, yes. The way Mariota's throwing right now. Derrick Henry looks like he's got a little bit more juice in his step the Definitely. last few weeks. They didn't even have Conklin yesterday. I know. 
and I they know, were fine. I know they were. They, and they, you just told me that they got the pass rushers. We know they got three corners. They got a safety that you just said can do anything. Yep. And their linebackers are athletic. I, I, I listen, there's and, a, and there's what a do you lot think about, to like. And you like what Vrabel and Dean Pease are doing. And what about LaFleur? Yeah, LaFleur is the one that's finally changed to me. Yes. Just with you know, his overall play calling, tying plays together, finding little easy ways to get completions. I feel like that's what it's taken off here just recently. The sequencing. The sequencing is more than anything. Uh, and, of course, pass protection and not asking guys to do unrealistic things. Hey, they they did first down screens, creative first down runs to keep them in second and fourth. Yes. You know, like I wrote, I wrote Tennessee out New England, New England in Tennessee. <laughs> You're very proud of that. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, and you know, one of those guys that did it, Dion Lewis, his comments after the game, hell yeah, it was personal. That's what happens when you go cheap, you get your ass kicked. Yeah. Would you like that? I did like that. Yes. I mean, it's yes. funny because New England went cheap before and relied on Dion Lewis. Yeah, right, right. He was the guy He was the first cheap option. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that was when nobody wanted him and he had a you know, knee issue and all that. But that's the that's New England falls and when New England's scheme can't give them the big advantage. They're, every Their talent NFL is player, not overall do you. Right, every NFL it. player at the Super Bowl last year, from Melvin Gordon to, to Kareem Hunt, they all said, we're a better team than New England. Yes, the players. They have better coaches. Right. He go, they all, it, it was almost like they were embarrassed. They're like, dude, if we walked on the field, we'd look at them and go, we're going to kick their ass. I, it's a lot, a lot of teams do. But they the just years. find – so I have a few conspiracy theories. Right. One, the he's letting his former guys get wins. Right. Two, Belichick knows he's fine. Let's get a loss heading into the bye week to get my team super focused for the run. Now I have things I can yell about for about two weeks. Um and I think three, and I think my favorite Belichick conspiracy, they are so good in Foxborough, and they're not that great on the road this year. Yep. They're really not that great on the road a lot of years. But this year especially, got blown out in Detroit, got blown out in Tennessee, uh, Chicago allowed like 31 yeah, points. Yeah, sure. Um, Buffalo you, wasn't beautiful. Buffalo wasn't beautiful. In fact, they were up 9-6 to six at right. one point or whatever. You have said to me before that when Baltimore goes to New England, they're so paranoid that they bring their own trash bags. Yeah. Because when they shred things up and throw them away, right. they think that New England will go through the trash. They usually scan the locker room with like you know equipment scanners, like the just, Ravens. Yeah, because they're looking for bugs. They think they're being bugged. All of that. That's stuff. my favorite Patriots conspiracy. Right. They got a line listening to your play calls. <laughs> They, they they all occasionally like you ever see someone playing in Foxborough and they're going like this. Well, yeah, they helmet, got something that's scrambling the something device, scrambling yeah. up. Right, right. If I know. there's anything that I think could be the most conspiracy theory that could be the most accurate, right? It's that you go to Foxborough and everything's against you. Yeah, I, you I, only get the Spanish-speaking announcers on right, the replay. Right, you get to the stadium late. <laughs> you get to the stadium late because there's only one highway in and the bus can't go in that way. You got to go through some neighborhood. It all is. And there's some lady on the street faking a heart attack. That's one's for Belichick. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all possible. I, I hear you. But I overall, you. you came away, and it sounds just reading your notes, it sounds like everything that you said about Vrabel and Pease, knowing what to expect, yeah. was a huge benefit in the game. It was. And I would like other teams to watch this as a possible yeah, blueprint. right. 
Cloud the middle. Don't let the easy throws happen. Yeah. Force third and long. Right. Stay disciplined on trick plays. Right. Change the looks up front. Make their O-line communicate. You know, Brady was rush- watching the rush a little yesterday. It's one of the... M- it's one of the most I've ever seen him to where he was concerned. His eyes left downfield. I'm not saying it was like Eli Manning watching the rush, but there was a few plays where I was going, damn, look at him. He's peeked down at the rush. Well, There's, he was under attack. He was under attack, right. I know. But he, I'm just saying because he's usually so it, yeah, fearless, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I could tell with his decision-making, and even when there was a clean pocket, it was a quick look at the line one more time before he threw it because there had been people around him. He just wanted to make sure so he didn't get hit, sack, fumble, all that. Yeah. It also looked to me that they really need Sony Michelle to be full strength. They do. They needed a run game to make all that stuff work. Yesterday. And they need Shaq Mason. Yes. Shaq Mason is one of the best guards in football. If Belichick gives you a long-term deal and a lot of money at the offensive line, yeah, you know they you're a baller because you, right. everybody else can be replaced. Exactly right. All right, let's move on to Lions and Bears. And what we got on the internet yesterday was not Big Phil. We got Big Fucker. <laughs> Sitting there with old argumentative Adam Shine. Yep. Let me tell you something about Trubisky. <laughs> Just such a New Yorker to the core. Right. But Big Phil, when you and Big Phil get angry, you're the same person. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. People tell me, oh, you can't throw the ball down the field. Okay, go down. And then he looks at Shine and he goes, that's sarcasm. And he stood up for Trubisky, yeah. and Trubisky rewarded him almost immediately. Seriously, Trubisky's deep balls to Allen Robinson were looking great. Yep, he threw some some smart slants. Some of his running, I'm telling you, I think he's the best mobile quarterback in the NFL. Well, Lefko, I think you got to say it. I mean, I, I wrote it down. I think in the notes, I wrote a question mark. I said best runner in the NFL, QB. I mean, it's between Stealing him, more Cam. Of my takes. Well, no, I'm with you though. I mean, him, Cam, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, who is it? Who else would battle him in that conversation? That's about Mahomes it. Mahomes right? is not up there. No, I, Mahomes is mobile. Russell Wilson. Yeah, right. So it's those four. I think those four are... And then Aaron Rodgers, if he's healthy. Right. But I'm not even going to say he's as good as just no. flat-out runner they are. No. Like th- These guys can escape the pocket, and if there's a lane, they can run for 30 yards. But I think out of all of them, that Trubisky might be the most elusive. Yeah. He it's... breaks legitimate tackles and then keeps weaving in and out of people. He does, I know. I think Russell Wilson is the most aware Russell Wilson, why I appreciate him so much is he's the ultimate, looks like he's going out of bounds and gets four more yards and stretches over for a first down. Right. Like, he's so good at that. Cam is the most powerful. Yep. And Watson, I think, is the longest stride dangerous. Yeah, right. Watson has a little of all of them, like the Russell and Trubisky combination. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, either way, it's just it's fascinating what he does. It's a real weapon and it bails him out of the game or bails him out of some big situations every week. You have been uh defending Trubisky with one simple notion for a very long time. Yeah. He is a second-year quarterback in his second offense. Right. Slow your roll down. Right. And a lot of people and understandably so after how he looked against Seattle and after how he looked against Green Bay in the second half. Yep. When the scripted plays went away, people went, see, 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 it's not that good. And yeah. I feel like people talk about him the way they talk about uh, Tannehill. Oh, he's an athlete. Right. But we're starting to see the pieces coming together. And yeah. he really does remind me of year two Carson Wentz. Yeah, I hear you. I know what you mean. And I, I think that's a, it's a good comparison. I don't think he's overall as talented as Carson no. is. But I know what you mean. And A guy that's more... figuring out the offense right. right now is relying on his physical tools exactly. to overcome the complications that he doesn't know No yet. doubt. He's kind of in a mix of both things. Where he's I love his weapons. I know. The weapons are special. His yeah. ability, um, you know... 
yeah, again, it is. It's his second year in the offense. And the other thing that needs to be talked about that I think is adding to this is two because of two guys and two guys alone. Watson and Mahomes. Mm. They've added to this like, they're awesome and our guy's not awesome yet. What's wrong? Well, okay. Yeah, they have more talent around them. I mean, Patrick Mahomes got lucky that a team that's a playoff team traded for him. So he's got to get that benefit. And you know I think Mahomes is the man. Right. You know, Watson, same type of thing. Kind of a playoff team. They had a bunch of injuries that year. Yes. And they got to make it pick for him at 11 or 12 or whatever it was. So... They were fortunate to fall. He went to a team that was in a true, true rebuild. True, right. Third pick in the draft. And this second is pick of the draft. second system, like you said, and second year. He's got all these new coaches around him, all these new players around him. He's getting used to everything around him. He has talent. And now he has weapons around him, and it's it's a good combo. The other thing about Trubisky is I think it's I, – I can't remember what it is. That, I think it is Lombardi, and I'm not talking about Trubisky, but he always talks about building a starting five basketball team out of your receivers. I think the Bears may have done it the best. It's it's up there. You know? Yes. You got Allen Robinson. That's your big guy that can go up. You got Trey Burton. That could be your four. You got Tariq Cohen as your point guard. Yep. You got Anthony Miller as your two shooting guard. Right. And you got... Um, Gabriel. You got Gabriel. You got Jordan Howard, too. All those guys fit each other so well. Yeah, Adam Shaheen's coming back. He's another big option that you could throw to and lob it up. They got the Mazel kid who I told you about yes. last week. He's been in there now. He's kind of doing Tariq Cohen stuff. So, I mean, tell him, it's just a matter of time before you see him catch a big play. And you think they have a top five offensive line even without Kyle Lott. I do. I think their offensive line is really damn good. Uh, they have they have everything on offense. Uh, they they were very impressive with what they did yesterday, and that was the best Allen Robinson looked to this point this year. And I don't yes. even give a damn about the stats. I'm talking just about the way he caught balls and how he looked when he tucked it away and exploded to run down the field, or his first step off the line of scrimmage to to get off press bail and run by people. All was the best I've seen yet. So you saw the Bears exposing the cone. The cone, yes. By the way, this is I like the phrase, expose the cone. Expose the cone. So if we're watching football on TV, right. and we see a bunch formation on the right with three wide receivers, yes. and we see one corner kind of lined up on that top guy and two guys back, expose the cone. Expose the cone. Like, you know, the wide open pass to Anthony Miller, he yes. throws a little flag oh, route. He was wide open. That was the cone. They exposed, exposed the, the cone. cone. Again, the cone is three on three, right? But the guy on the point of the cone... Covering the guy in the point of the cone, that's man to man. And then the other two guys go, I got the first guy inside, I got the first guy outside. Well, what they did on that play was they said, We'll send two guys outside. They sent the first guy outside, and now he's outside. So like the outside guy gets out. him, right? right? But now the other guy is also going to go outside, but he goes vertical and then outside. Mm. So the guy outside's going, wait, I already have my guy. An inside guy, you better hurry up and catch because that guy's running vertical, and he's going to run outside too. Man, so, so I feel bad for Beldar. That, that, Beldar. What is Beldar? Beldar. Oh. Coneheads. You're right. Expose yes. the cone. Expose the cone. Now I'm just going to think of naked Beldar. That, that's what they did. And then after that, after those few plays, really, they got out of the cone and they went to box the bunch. That's what they did. Because that's the next so thing you got to do. So if your cone gets exposed, your box must be bunched? You got to box the bunch. You I do. I don't know where we are right I now. I know. But yeah, the boxing the bunch is basically <laughs> making four guys in like oh, a so box use formation. Right. To Just now pass off the three-man combinations that they're using. And that's what really... if all three guys go out? 
Well, then you get the three on two. Yeah, then the guy on inside is going to have to know when he sees a third guy go out, the inside of the third go out, he's going to have to press out there and get there. But, yeah, there's little things you can do that. It's the chess game within the chess game. And then the other thing they did that really exposed them in the past game is they just found where number 26 was. Deshaun Sheed, whoever oh, he was covering the one that came from Seattle. was open. I mean, it didn't matter. He couldn't cover anybody. They put him in situations man-to-man against Allen yeah, Robinson. They didn't have Darius guys. Slay yesterday. That was a huge. huge issue. They could not cover. They could not match up across the board with the Chicago Bear weapons when they wanted to play man-to-man. That was a big issue. Chicago Bear defense not only are is when I watch Khalil Mack, do they get after it? Not only are they one of the league leaders, I believe, in interceptions. Yeah, they're a solid unit with Vic Fangio. Is this Bears offense, from what you saw, yeah. good enough to not just get them in the playoffs, which they're poised to do right now, yeah. but to maybe surprise some people? Yeah, I would not be surprised. Yes, it's good enough. A hundred percent. They're, You know, again, when you look at their offense, there's no glaring weakness. As long as Trubis- Trubisky's being consistent throwing the football, that's the only thing that's been in question to this point. Just you'd like a little more consistency on some of the throws. Other than that, there's nobody going to overpower them up front. Their scheme is creative, and they find ways to get their playmakers the ball. Um, you can't play them man to man. They can run the ball. You know everything about them says they can they can really match up with anybody. And of course, we know their defense is really awesome too. And nobody's going to steamroll that bunch. So there's there's no matchup that they're going to go on the field and go, oh, we're screwed today. You know the big thing that these offenses share: yeah, the Rams, the Saints, the Bears, the Chiefs. All of their quarterbacks protected really well. Yes. Yes. All have good offensive lines. Right. Have to worry about the run game. You know, yes. Uh, All that is really the big issue is a big issue it's it's like we always talk with great offenses they make you defend the whole field and that's what the bears do is there anything else before we kind of move on that you want to touch on the only i was going to bring up our man the mensch Tariq cohen yep who he's amazing to kill it he's killing it he got drilled by quandre oh, Diggs. that was a good one paint the picture for everybody what happened gosh i mean he's got the ball on the left edge there it was a it was a screen pass i believe like it was a short pass either way he's got it he's flying up the left side, like kind of coming through traffic, and Quandre Diggs, Texas, hook him horns. I mean, he comes in like a missile and puts his head and shoulder right into the mench's chest plate. Yeah. And that knocked the wind out of him big time. So he did. Yeah. So here's what Tariq Cohen, but he got up kind of quick. Yeah, he did. He sucked it up. He crashed over for a minute. You could tell he's pointing to his chest, like, yeah. my, you know, my this shit hurts. He said afterwards, I was not going to give the Lions satisfaction of me getting escorted off the field. I just lost my win. He hit me. It was a good hit. Much respect to him. He knocked the wind out of me. Yeah. But that's my man. Yes. The mensch. Yeah, the mensch. So you do. You get up. You get up. Don't let him show anything. You keep fighting. Lahaya, mensch. Lahaya. Uh, other thing, too, the last thing I'll say. First, the, no pass rush for the Lions. It's an issue. That's one of their biggest issues. Like, they, Did Ansa play? Yeah, he did, but nothing. sparingly. Nothing. And that's where Trubisky was able to take over in a few big moments, right? The other thing, though, that they did, this makes me think they're listening to the podcast. The two big fuckers in the middle started, finally. Yeah, that run game was... Alshon, no. Uh, Ashawn. Ashawn Robinson and, and Snacks. Snacks Harrison. That run game was non-existent because of those two big fuckers in the middle. I mean, they, that, that was it. I love that you took credit for them playing the <laughs> no, two best interior defense. Well, well I don't know what's still good so long. I mean, Ashawn Robinson finally just started well, in the last few weeks. That's the question. But I, What the hell's been happening between Patricia and Ashawn right, Robinson? Because right. this has gone back to the preseason. It's going back to week one. Yeah, you're right. right. I don't know what it is. I know. 
I, I know. don't know if we'll ever know. But that gives them a chance because now they don't have to at least put other guys in to stop the run. Yeah. RS Guitar in our DMs asked, with Robinson, Gabriel, and Miller, do the Bears have a top five wide receiver room? I believe they do. I'm going to just quickly go over this uh, top. Well, let's let's see. I mean, who we're talking about here? Like, like are we going to count Pittsburgh as a top five receiving room just because of two guys? Because I'm really, I mean, who's the third? Well, if they're going to call it Trey Burton, then I get to count Vance McDonald. Oh, right. You should. Exactly right. Because Vance McDonald. And I also think James Conner counts. So if you're okay. going to count Tariq Cohen. Okay. So if we were going to go purely receivers. receivers. You know what I got to do, Sims? Yeah. Pull yep. up the teams. Yeah. If you're going to do the fully the receivers, Kansas City's obviously in that question. Okay. Answer. Uh, the Chargers are in that question. Answer. Right. Okay. The Rams are in that question. Answer. And mm, I, the Falcons are in that question. Answer. Right. And then it goes to like teams like I think we're talking. I think yes, Chicago Bears are the the other team in that conversation. I, I think the Giants are in there. Oh yeah, okay. But I we're still know. only talking about two. See, yeah. I think the other teams we think of in that conversation are you said only Minnesota. Two. I but it goes to two. Are we going to count Laquan Treadwell as an awesome third now? I mean, I think he's pretty good. He's solid. He's made. He's finally contributing. You're you love depth. Well, I'm just when you say a wide receiver room that's more than two to three people. To me, I got one, you know, Carolina. Carolina's close; they're teetering into that. They combo. got a bunch of guys that I'm scared about. Yes, you know, I would say Tampa Bay. Oh, without question, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, and the the and white we're going boys for Adam room. Humphreys. Room. room. We're going for the room. The Bears are definitely top five. Okay. Yes. Now, if we're just going for top two duos or top three trios. And then it's a different conversation. And it's a different conversation if it's the top 10 uh, rooms that we actually want to be in. Uh, I would want to be in that room. That's probably a cool room Tampa to be Bay? in. Tampa Bay? Or no, even Chicago. I mean, those are, that's, that's we a We got a friend. They, they'd make us. They'd endear us to everybody. Yes. All right. Now to the game that apparently you and I were both watching the most intently. Mm-hmm. Jaguars, Colts. The first thing that I want to bring up is the Quentin Nelson clip Mm. that's online of him screaming around the side and destroying, was it Barry Barry Church? Church. All right, so let me find this one. I'm just going to play the sound of my main man, Quentin Nelson, who I got a chance to meet him, and I went... I went, I guess all offensive guards are this big. And then I was talking to Derwin James and, and um, Roquan Smith, and they go, I've never seen a human this big. And then you were like, this guy is enormous. But this is the sound of Quentin Nelson coming around the edge. <laughs> hey, Quentin. What's up, man? Ah! One, is this normal? No. Okay, it's not, it's not normal. I, I thought I was like, I guess I'll pull in guards, just yell as they come around because they don't know when the contact is. He's a have. psycho in a good way. He's a psycho. He is. Because I yell, like, right. I only yell that loud when the lights are off and I'm and I'm at, like, my parents' house and I'm afraid of the dark. And, like, so I go down the stairs and I'm just like, ah! And I'm like, maybe I'll scare the ghost. Oh, away. maybe you'll scare that guy with the pipe that's hiding behind that's going like, to bash ah! you in the head. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I thought, you know, maybe Quentin was scared coming around the well, edge. Well, it's probably part of that. It's scared. It's aggression. It's everything. He because just... he didn't really hit 
Barry Church. Barry Church ran into him and then got destroyed. Destroyed. But that's not normal. That I no, not with any guard I ever played with. Okay, he's a different breed though. This is a, you know, I told Josh this earlier. You know, I might break down an O lineman. They're cows. Okay, and D linemen are bulls. Right? They're bulls. They're ornery. And they're, uh, I'm going to swing my horns. And I'm always and the cows are off. like, if we stay together, right. we can handle these bulls. Right. If we just stand over here and eat grass, nobody will know we're here. And we don't ever have to work or walk anywhere, ever. Yeah. Like, that's a cow. He is a bull trapped in a cow body. That's what he is. He's a D lineman trapped in an O lineman's body. Exactly right. And that's the difference between him, and that's what makes him great. How do you see that and come up with that conclusion? Because of psycho crap like that, like me watching him on the field at Notre Dame last year and seeing the absolute joy he got of just driving people into the ground or blocking people to the whistle. I hear these things all the time. Yeah. Where do you see the joy? I see the joy just because it never ends, and it's just... It but, like, never, when you see Joy, like, you see him coming up and, like, smiling oh, and stuff? Oh, not like, kind of silent, smiling, but coming up and, you know, chest is pumped and it's bumped out. Like, yeah, I just I just knocked your butt off again. Like I he, know that you said that he was a generational talent, but yeah. when you got to watch him at Notre Dame, yeah. what, what was it? Could you tell, like, right away? Yes, I could. I, I, I know we've talked about this on this podcast before. The one of the first interviews, North Carolina State. Yeah, well, one of the first interviews I ever did for Notre Dame or anything associated with it, and I had just watched their film and I'm getting a feel for their team because I'm going, damn, I got to watch Notre Dame and get it. And everyone's telling me Mike McGlinchey's going to be a top ten pick, Mike McGlinchey, and I'm going, damn, I don't. The guy, he might be, but the guy next to him is better. The guy next mm. to him is unbelievable. He does not miss a block, and he is like a tractor trailer in the run yeah. game. Are there any other noises that us regular football fans don't know about that the microphones don't pick up? Well, you might like get... I hear Jared Goff saying Halle Berry and used to say J Lo and yeah. Omaha, Omaha. Halle Berry is one of our co- well. He was. I, I got to go back and see the Halle Berry play. I'm guessing he ran a weak side run, ninety six or ninety seven. Wanda, Wanda is kind of a girl's name, so we stole Halle Berry and oh, Jennifer. You said Anderson. Halle Berry too. I used to have Halle Berry in my repertoire. Yes, Halle Berry, Jennifer, ninety six. <laughs> so you'd go Halle. Berry, Los Angeles. That means we were going to run Wanda to the left. Right. You know, Halle Berry, New York, meant we're going to run Wanda to the right. But we always had two or three. Jennifer Anderson, the same thing. Same play, just a girl that we added for Wanda. Mm. J-Lo came in for the bubble screen because she had a bubble butt. So we right, said, we'll throw right, the bubble right. screen. You know, Tyson and Rocker was dummy because they were dummies in real life. Mike Tyson and John Rocker. So they were our dummy snap count thing. Were there, are there any other noises, though, that we don't know about? Um, Not a lot of yelling like linebackers can yell when they blitz every now and then, or like a safety who's coming from depth and all of a sudden you snap it. I, I have a few instances where He's I like, can remember, ah! ah, yeah, like they're coming. Or fullback and linebackers who've been talking about it, they will yell at each other on like an ISO play that have been talking crap and they're like, I'm coming again, I'm coming again. And the fullback is the yelling as he goes, I can sit, hut. He's like, ah! Like, a, they're psychos. They are psychos, okay? That's the part of football that I simultaneously love and I'm completely afraid of. Yes, it's scary. It's, it's scary right. that two humans that if they sat in here, all I would talk about is how large they are, are going, arr, 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 ah! and I'd be like, no! Or you hear, ah! after somebody just tore their ACL or their Achilles. Have you heard, was there any noise that ever, you just remember, it's like the weirdest noise you ever heard on a football field? 
No. I mean, the, it's still the weirdest noise I ever heard on the football field is Ray Lewis dancing over the ball, like so unscared of our team and so in a happy place that I was like, oh, my gosh, we can't possibly beat these guys. Last season, the Colts gave up 12 sacks to Jacksonville in one game. Yeah. Yesterday, they allowed zero quarterback hits. Yeah. Hits. I know, dude. The Colts have not let up a sack in four games. Right. I said before the this game, the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to get off. The Colts had only played the Bills and the Raiders the last few weeks. Right. It didn't matter. How good is this Colts offensive line? I uh, want to start there. Yeah, it, it's 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 extremely good. I mean, it has the potential to be the best offensive line in football. I mean, it's three first-round picks, right? Am I right? Is Costanzo a first-round pick, or is he an early second-round pick? I believe he was a first one, but you keep talking. I'm going to check. But you got a guy like Quentin Nelson who's top six pick. You got... Uh, you know, he's at guard. You got Kelly at the center, right? Kelly was a He was. Costanzo was a first-round pick. So Kelly's a first-round center. Yes. You got Costanzo's a left, left guard. Braden Smith's a second-round right tackle. And then they got Glowinski in there, who's been a solid interior. Who's their left tackle? Costanzo? Costanzo, right. So, yes, they have the potential to be one of the top lines in football. If not, they're already in that combo. Whether you want to make them five or six or four, whatever it is, they're, they're in that, that category. Chris Ballard. Ballard kicking butt, quit kicking butt, and then of course the owner too. We got to give him, you know, hey, it's about protecting Andrew. We got to protect Andrew. Hey, I it, well, look, man, I I I knew Anthony Munoz, man. He was a Hall of Famer, man, and you're right up to that level, Quinn. I mean, he must have been in that box yesterday in that first half, going. So happy I signed Eric Ebron. Oh, yeah. Three touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Quentin Nelson and Eric Ebron, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Isn't it great to see healthy Andrew Luck? It's. I hope he's reminding everybody that he is one of the best quarterbacks in football. I'm telling you guys, the Colts are the are the ultimate NFL Reddit League stream pass. team. Yeah, yeah. They are the team to watch. They right. are the most fun to watch. All right. Colts on that Jaguars defense. Do so, you have like breaking news for me or something? No, no. I have. I you know I, I text my wife throughout the day of games too, so I have my notes. <laughs> I've sent you, but then as I'm watching the games, I write little notes. I'm just trying to remind myself of certain things. I just want to know how did they tear up that Jacksonville defense so hard? Well, in the first, first half? thing is the O line, like you okay. said. The pass rush was non-existent. It doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter against that that offensive line. And it's why I, I I couldn't put a lot of money on the Jags in our betting thing because that's what scared me. I just kept going. They might not be able to get there, and mm. if old number 12 can sit there all day, I don't care how good your secondary is. He's so good. He is so good. So that's the big thing. The first thing, gosh, they really expose Jacksonville with a few of their rules and things that they do in certain situations, and Jacksonville blew some coverages, let alone asking sometimes their guys to do unrealistic things once again, which they do. But I think that's the biggest issue. You know, Hey, the first touchdown for uh, Eric Ebron, right? He catches yeah. the, the corner route and nobody's covering him. Well, what gave Jacksonville a lot of problems is free releasing five receivers, the five eligibles, not keeping the back in, right? The back didn't stay into, oh, let me chip this guy, or maybe they bring one backer and I'm going to stay in. No, they would get three out to his side. And on the first play of the game, or that first long pass to Eric Ebron for the first touchdown, you know, they got caught. Um, I believe it's Barry Church. Or no, yeah, it's Barry Church or Telvin Smith. Corner. 
So no, not yet. Okay. So no, this one, and let me start back from scratch. This one is man to man. Okay, I got all my touchdowns. So I got to figure them out in my head. This one is man to man, and Jalen Ramsey is man up on T.Y. Hilton. The tight ends to his side as well, and also the the back is offset to that side as well. So it's basically going to be three on three. And now Jalen Ramsey's man to man on Hilton. Church has got to take the first guy to the flat, which ends up being the back going to the flat. Telvin Smith has to now take the vertical tight end. He doesn't take him. So he gets confused with how it's going to be passed off. It's almost like the coning the bunch a little bit, but it's a different way of talking about it. And yes, Ebron split split the coverage, and there's nobody there to cover him. Wide open. You wrote the speed sweep to Ebron was brilliant. Well, the the two point conversion or the the fourth or third and one, whatever for the that was a touchdown. That was a touchdown. That was phenomenal. Yes, because they just. It made Jacksonville pause. It's not easy just to run right up the middle in Jacksonville in those situations. I think yesterday made me realize something. Yeah. And I'm not happy that I'm realizing it. Yeah. There were three minds in the room for Philadelphia last year with that offense. Yeah, right. An offense that confused the NFL, a heavy tight end package offense that used running backs and wide receivers and a quarterback that could do a little bit of RPO, but was mainly based on good ball placement. Right. John Filippo, now the OC of the Vikings, Doug Peterson, still the head coach of the Eagles, yep. and Frank Reich, now the head coach of the Colts. Yep. Of the Vikings, the Colts, and the Eagles, the offense that most resembles the Eagles' offense last year yeah. is the Colts and right. Frank Reich. Right. They resemble it the most. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, the quarterback movement, getting Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack involved in the passing game. Yeah, I think the passing game is a step above your passing game in Philadelphia right now. I think Frank Reich, it's easy to say, he was the most creative pass game designer of the group. It's making me realize that maybe Frank Reich was the secret sauce of the Eagles' offense last year. And I'd like to say to one person... Mm -hmm. Josh McDaniels, I hate you. Because <laughs> if you took that job, the Eagles would still have Frank Reich, and none of this would be happening. So I hate you. I don't hate you, yeah. but I hate you. <laughs> yeah. but, but doesn't I it feel you. like that? Yeah, it does. It does feel like that. Yes. I mean, Jaguars, I feel like, turned it around the second half, though. They did, but not really. You kind of mentioned it. There was the deflection off the tight end that Talvin Smith picked off. I mean, they hit him in the chest. Uh, first and 20, Naheem Hines does an angle route. And He's going to compl- run for at least 20, 25, 30. Drops it, leading right. to a quick punt. Right. Uh, no, th- yeah, the Colts just – the Colts are a team that if they're tight ends and – they, they just drop easy passes sometimes. They're not a polished winner yet. No, they're not. But they have a lot of good pieces, but they, they shoot themselves in the foot all the time. They do, that, without a doubt. That, um, you know, uh, Jacksonville kind of got back to what they want to do on offensive side of the ball in the third quarter. I mean, they went on a 17-play drive that took eight and a half minutes. Yes. You know, so that kept Andrew Luck and company off the field. It was good to have Leonard for Colts missed a field goal. Jaguars you know, need to run six screens a game. I think they ran two. Yeah, but they ran. They need to run like six because that's where their passing offense. It is. I mean, it's it's over. It's like the same thing we say every week. It's it's a crossing route, a shallow crosser, a deep crosser, and screens to the backfield. A lot of your notes are about assignments and ways they took advantage. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a thirty thousand feet question. Right. The Colts are now sitting there in an AFC South, yeah. battling with the Titans and the Texans. Right. Is this a team that could make a playoff push down the stretch? 
Or are they a year away? I think they're a year away. Okay. I think they can make a lot of games interesting, and they'll compete. So they're going to leave here with a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight record, right. and we're going to go look out for the Colts right. next year. If they can add a guy in the secondary and add a pass, another pass rusher, things like that, their defense is still an issue for that football team overall. Uh, the offense really has just about everything, except they could probably use one more receiver. If they had one more just legitimate receiver. Ryan, yeah, Grant is their number right, two right now. Right, If they could have one more guy out of the mix there, they're going to be really hard to stop on that side of the ball because the offensive line is only going to get better. You talked about Frank Reich and the creativity he has. Hey, they did think They took advantage of Jacksonville. Rules, they're over aggression. You know, remember the one time Jack Doyle's the fullback, he comes out of the backfield, he acts like he's they're going to run ISO, he's going to block Telvin Smith, and he runs right by him and runs a flag route. Yeah. You know, they took advantage of knowing the defense they were in a few times. And Frank Reich did get to watch the Eagles in London. Exactly right. Ago. I know. Exactly go, right. Oh, go, that's how they handle those right. plays? Then let's mix it up. Exactly right. That's another thing I'm just did. happy I got the push. So I did think Jacksonville had a chance there when that did. receiver fumbled at the end. Yeah. Because they were moving. They were. They were kind of unstoppable force. it's all dump downs. It is. It's right. It's all dump downs to hide and dump downs to Yeldon, and yet teams still let them have it. Yeah, because teams like the Colts have to because they can't play man-to-man or leave their corners in a spot, so they continue to play soft. I would play Blake Bortles and Dak Prescott the same way. If you really think that Blake Bortles can throw a 40-yard pass over my guy in man-to-man, then we're going to yeah, lose this game. I hear you. you got to take a few chances. There's, there's Especially no against doubt about quarterbacks that. like that. No doubt about it. Because the dump downs to the running backs is what they want to do. Yes. Um, all right. Can we go to the Browns offense? Yeah, I don't is think there... there was anything else. No. I mean, it was a lot that. of rule violations. It was. A did. lot of rule violation. A lot of... That was not a catch by Ali Cox, though, in the end zone. I don't know about that. I don't know if I totally agree with you there. I'll Even though the ball Marino. moved, I, I still think he had control of it. But either way, it was definitely dicey. I hear me you. Me and Andrew Siciliano both uh, don't think it was a catch. Um, let me just see. What was the other thing that I just thought was interesting from that game? Oh, you know, just sometimes, too, just unrealistic things. You know, hey... One thing that Jacksonville does, they get in the 13 personnel of the Colts. It's three tight ends to the right. They put Jalen Ramsey at safety. And now basically Barry Church has to play corner. I understand why they do that, right? Because there's three tight ends over there. Let's have a guy that can actually stop the run if it comes over there and not put Jalen Ramsey. Let's use him as the speed safety guy. Well, they said, fine, that's fine with us. Go ahead, do that. We're going to test how Barry Church plays corner then. And that was smart. Again, just little things like that as far as figuring matchups up and going, let's make a guy feel uncomfortable doing something he shouldn't feel comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. And that's good coaching. And that's where I got to give Frank Wright credit. Also realizing some of the rules. You know, Jacksonville, a little bit like we talked about with Denver, and I'll move on after this. Yeah. It's just like you can't have Miles Jack be responsible for the backside C gap and then also think he can cover T.Y. Hilton man-to-man on a deep deep crosser. That's not fair. to it, Miles Jackson will look like he got beat by T.Y. Hilton on a deep crosser. That's like when I'm watching the Eagles game and I'm like, oh, yeah, Dallas Goddard blocking Demarcus Lawrence. Right, That's good luck. Work. Yeah, right. I'm going to hold off on the Browns offense. Okay. I'm going to save that for Wednesday. Okay. And so for everyone out there that's wondering about, man, Baker Mayfield in this last two games, five touchdowns, one interception, 118 passer rating, and Nick Chubb all of a sudden averaging 6.2 yards per carry. We're going to dig into that a little bit. I want to get to some news and stuff. Okay, cool. Le'Veon Bell and apparently is not going to report at all. Right. It looks like we're going through the whole year without Le'Veon. I'm sad. 
Uh, I wanted the 10 weeks, but I guess that, that he's going to get paid like a quarterback no matter what if they franchise tag him. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised. Are you surprised? I am surprised. I'm sad, and I don't think it's the right move for Le'Veon. I don't. I don't think him sitting out a whole year is good for him in his career. I don't, and also I don't think it's going to help him maximize what he wants in free agency. It's going to be tough. I don't. I mean, I think the the point of him doing what he was doing was to save his body. You're on a playoff team, and then you could come in and play really well to yeah. where everybody could see what you could do on a playoff team. And then instead of getting X guaranteed dollars, you got X plus a little bit more because you were awesome down the stretch. Steel- plus, taking a year off from football, Lefko, was not easy. Steelers kicked the crap out of the Panthers, yeah. but I'm still watching that game and I'm going James Conner is not a top five back he's not a top 10 back and I'm okay to argue that with anybody me and Josh were sitting there watching the game Thursday night at Triona's on third and I'm sitting there I'm going I think people forget how good Le'Veon is mm-hmm. and I brought up some Le'Veon highlights and I showed Josh and he goes James Conner's never done that no never no it's just another level and Troy Aikman tried to say it during the yeah. match during he tried to say it like hey James Conner's really good but he's not Le'Veon oh, but nobody wants to listen because everybody else is an expert now everybody <laughs> Le'Veon, people found his tweet from 2013. If you could sit out a year of a sport you play and you're not injured or you're preventing anything, then you don't love it. I think, if anything, it makes me more confident in Le'Veon that unless you're going through it, you can't comment on it. That's right. Le'Veon's trying to get paid. He wants a large guaranteed check. That's what he wants. So all the ones saying, you gave up $15 million. Le'Veon is trying to get out of the rat race of playing year to year. Yes. He wants probably a three or four year deal with anywhere probably between 40 and $50 million guaranteed. And he's thinking, you know what? Once that's guaranteed, it'll cover everything. Yeah. If he gets it, then he's won. Right. If he doesn't, then he's lost. Yes. But you can't really comment on it. Steelers, Panthers, there's one thing I learned from that game. Yep. Stop putting good football on Thursday night. Thank you, Lefko. It sucks. Yes. It sucks. I know. Panthers were destroyed. They were like, they weren't themselves. Sean Payton, Saints, Bengals. You nailed this one. You didn't nail Falcons, Browns. You nailed this one. Sean Payton before the game, Sims told Diana Rossini that he was worried that his team wasn't going to show up to play. He said he got in there a few hours before the game, and he saw some of his guys eating pancakes. And he went, no. And he smashed the fire alarm and yelled at the top of his lungs. That's what he did? I heard about the fire alarm. He came in yelling like a maniac and smashed the fire alarm. You said this when we were picking the game. Sean Payton knows that his team is on a mission. Yeah. I love that he smashed the fire alarm. Yeah. But that's what it takes. Because you know who didn't smash the fire alarm? Dan Quinn. You know what apparently Devondre Campbell said about the team? What? Devondre Campbell said about the team. I'm trying to find it. Josh is messing with my rundown here. He said that all week we were sitting there going, it's going to be fine. We're playing the Browns. We'll figure it out. Yeah, right. That they were actively saying that. Right. Sean Payton knew that. I'm destroying the fire. Right. Sean Payton, I think, is up there for coach of the year. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's he's just he's one of the greatest coaches we've seen in modern history. I, I that's how strongly I feel about Sean Payton. 
you know, listen, he's not been a guy that's been in control of the roster the whole time. So, yeah, it's gotten away from the Saints at times. And then, of course, he had a deal with, you know, you know what was it, uh, Headgate or, you know, Bounty, Bounty Gate. Gate yeah, right. Yeah. He had a deal with that. So he missed a year of football there. That hurt the football team. But, yes, that's what great coaches do. They keep their team on edge at all times. That's what makes Belichick special. Uh, and that's what gives them the type of edge to go out there and just smash a team like like the like the Bengals. The, the Falcons thing, I mean, that's funny you're saying that because, I mean, one of the first things I wrote for my notes was Falcons screwed up a lot. Their offense screwed up a lot. They did not come to play. They were not detailed. That's why Matt Ryan was cursing up a storm. Holy cow. I mean, Sanu fumbling. Yes. Fourth and one from the – third and one from the one-inch line. And they run a QB sneak, and it's offsides on Cleveland – and they don't run a QB sneak the next play and run it up the middle, and then it's still fourth and one from the inch line, and they decide to throw a pass on fourth down and don't score there. Ball gets snapped over the head of Matt Ryan yes. one time. Like they just they didn't they looked like the team that wasn't ready to play. They weren't ready to play. Right. Uh, the other thing was Saints Bengals. Terrell Austin fired today. Yeah. In the last four games, the Bengals have allowed 2,117 yards, the most over a four-game stretch ever. The Bengals' defense just got destroyed. Now, they didn't have Darquez Denard, Vontez Perfect, a number of guys. But, yeah, the Bengals have I – mean, the fact that they're still in the playoff race is crazy. Yeah, they I mean, are the sixth seed for the AFC playoffs is very underwhelming. It's a bunch of teams that I don't really care about. But the Saints, you know, I'm watching that game, and people are going, I'll tell you what, yeah, Drew Brees, he's going to win the MVP over Patrick Mahomes the way they're going. I go, if you watch the game – Screen to Kamara, runs for 50. Screen to Ingram, runs for 50. Slant, Slant to Thomas, right. runs for 30. Do you see why I don't have Thomas as a top 10 receiver? Do you see it? I don't think you have to agree, but yeah. do you understand yes. where I'm coming from? My, my issue is this, and I, I appreciate everyone that whenever someone comments now that Drew Brees is going to be MVP, yeah. and they send me it, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It really is wild to, to go that... Everyone looks at the statistics right. and everyone looks at the records and then everyone looks at how it works and how he manages the game, but no one's looking at the throws. No one's sitting back and going, what is this team asking him to do? Right. You know, Mahomes is lacing 40-yard laser beams in between people. Right. Drew Brees would never throw it. This is not the Good Samaritan Good Samaritan of the Year Award. This is not the Lifetime Achievement Award. You don't get the MVP because, oh, he's never won one, and we should just give it to him this year. The this- only thing that he needs to fill up his trophy case is an MVP. No one is owed anything. Right. If he wins MVP in as a the league way where there's right non guaranteed contracts, yeah. no one is owed anything. Yeah, I know. I don't know what else to say, man. If Patrick know. Mahomes throws 50 touchdowns, and Drew Brees wins MVP. Yeah. No, out of your mind. It means that the officially that the media has to stop voting for MVP and stuff like that. People also forget what the expectations were for these teams before the year. Right. People were saying, including me, that the Chiefs were going to be a six-win team, a yeah. five-win team. Mm-hmm. The Saints were been picked to go to the Super Bowl. I picked them to win it. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cooper Cup, torn ACL. Damn, I know. That stinks. I know it's. Awful. I gotta think it was like almost partially torn from his just non getting hurt a few a few weeks ago against Denver. How big Remember? of a deal is that for a Rams team that those three weapons at wide receiver were such a big part of their yeah it, no it, it's it's a big deal it certainly is I mean they're a team that you know first of all they live in what we call eleven personnel I don't know 
Tony Romo made so many good points right. about that yesterday. Right. He said, look, they live in 11 personnel. They do. He goes, and that's Sean McVay wants to do. Exactly He's right. going to show you the same thing all game and just do a million variations. Exactly right. That's and so in 11 personnel, one tight end, one running back, typically three wide receivers. Yes, right. Exactly. And so that's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. Right. And then you see one of those receivers run the fake speed sweep or whatever it may be. They do a million different things off of that. Yeah. Yes. And it's not the most complicated. And Keenan Rounds is pretty good. Reynolds is good. He'll but he's be not okay. Cooper Cup. No, he's not Cooper Cup. And then they got to do it with, you know, some of their tight end play, too. They're going to have to do it with those two guys. Where and they're freak athletes, They are, too. too. So, they, you know, you might see Gerald Everett in the game a whole lot more as a slot receiver. And go, don't don't think Sean Payton, I mean, Sean McVay can't do it. He came from a place in Washington where he did have two tight ends a lot of times. Yeah. Niles Paul and Jordan Reed. And he got them both on the, fall, on the field at the same time. So he'll have plenty of uh, stuff in his repertoire, even with the, with this this issue. I'll tell you what. I don't think the Seahawks and thought Josh Reynolds, that not they'd... Keenan too. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I didn't think that the Seahawks thought that they'd play the Rams this year, score over 60 points in the two games combined. Russell Wilson play out of his mind. Yeah. The running game destroying having different 100-yard running backs, and they lose both games. I know. I didn't think they thought that. But I went, that game went exactly how I said it was going to go, where Michael Dixon was able to pin the Rams back a few times. Yeah. Seahawks got a few big breaks every now and then. Then. But right. that game, the Rams had control of the entire time. Pretty it much. wasn't even a question. It's never a danger. It no. certainly wasn't. You always felt like the Rams were going to be able to move the ball as soon as they needed to, and, and that was that. And, yeah, again, the running game for the Seahawks, certainly respectable. The pass game's not scary enough. It's still really dependent on Russell Wilson making magic with his legs and making unbelievable throws. Can he play like that the whole game and not just the last two, four minutes? You know, because I would like Dak yeah. to play like Russell Wilson plays right. in the last three minutes. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's just hard. Running is your second option. Well, it's hard to play with that reckless abandon until you have to. Because if you start start off the game going, okay, I'm just going to go crazy out here and make plays happen, that's when you fumble early on or you get an interception early on. So there's a time and place in the game where – He's he's been around long enough now to now know when that time is, but I bet you early in his career he probably had offensive coordinator Pete Carroll go, it's time, go yes. ahead, let it loose a little bit, push the envelope, start. That's dancing my around. argument for for Dak. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Uh, I, if I I'm Jerry, I'm going. Hey, hey, Dak. We don't know if we're going to extend you, so these long-term injury things are not really a concern. We want to maximize your potential right now. Just run around. You get hurt. I've been wanting to see this Cooper rush now for a few years. Well, that's why they should have more quarterback design runs. I, I will agree with you. They there. did it against Tennessee. Yeah, they, they did it. The, they did the week before that. Yeah. Uh, Chargers Raiders, I think, is of the three four o'clock games that were all nine and a half point spreads. Yeah. I thought the Rams were the clear best team in their game, right. even though the Seahawks kept it close yeah. because the Rams' defense has some issues. I thought Green Bay let the Dolphins hang around, but you knew they were going to blow them out the entire time. Aaron Rodgers, it was too easy for him against that defense, and yeah. Aaron Jones looked good. Right. But the sneaky close game was Chargers-Raiders. Yeah. This is a Raiders team that failed on a fourth and goal in the one. Yeah. Chargers got the goal line stand. Right. Raiders had the ball almost the entire first quarter. Then the Raiders drive down a few times in the second half, and just, you know, Derek Carr was under attack. Right. That offensive line for the Raiders is a mess right now. It's a now. mess. And the Chargers' offense 
Philip Rivers is great when you're coming from behind, but sometimes he's a lunatic when you're playing with a lead. They played a protective game yesterday. And they wait for the Melvin Gordon explosion to, right. to create the lead and all that stuff. But you you got to remember, just okay. don't forget, just don't tell forget me, that sometimes during the week, the head coach is telling his team to be like that, right? Sometimes we're a better team. We're better. We don't think they're going to be able to score many more points. Jared Cook be played smart, so Philip Rivers. Oh, I know. It was like it was Cookie like monster. It was like John Gruden went to Jared Cook and said, "Hey, if you don't play well, you're going to play with me the rest of your career." <laughs> and he said, "No." I mean, he stiffed off. He was getting in fights with people. Yeah. Do you hear the quote after the game that's making the rounds? No. One Raiders veteran said to another one on the way out of the locker room, "I got to get the fuck out of here." Mm. Now. The reporter, he might have also been saying, you know, I got my kid's birthday party. But people are acting. Every statement right now, apparently yeah. when Bruce Irvin got to Atlanta, he came on the practice field and said, I'm free, I'm free. And then Mark Davis came out there today and said, put it on me. We failed the rebuild since 2014, which pretty much means Reggie McKenzie messed it up. Yeah. And I would like to say to Mark Davis, you traded multiple picks for Carson Palmer and Reggie McKenzie didn't have picks, and then he took you Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, and Amari Cooper. Right. Do not blame any of this on Reggie McKenzie. Went to the McKenzie. playoffs. Went to the playoffs. Start off 9-1. and one. Right. So do not blame this on Reggie McKenzie. No, that seemed like a total damage control comment by the Davis family today, that he was coming out just to, yeah, kind of save Gruden, save the coaching staff, change the perception a little bit, yeah. take the heat himself, which I do think some of it's probably on him to a degree. They do have money issues. I don't think they could pay, pay Kulil Mack the cold, hard, liquid cash he was They're demanding and all that. building a new stadium in Las right. Vegas. Right, they have a lot of issues. So I don't think it's all on Gruden. But, yeah, today that was a comment today to take some pressure off the coaching and front front office. Look, they missed with the Carl Josephs. They missed with the Oban Mellon Fonroos. Right. They missed with a number of, yep. you know, high Gary and Conley's apparently. Sure. Uh, Colton Miller doesn't look that that great Jihad right Ward's gone. Damn. You know, you got to think about who's the other guy at, uh, from Florida State who left. Um, oh, the neck injury. Yeah. Mario Edwards. Mario Edwards. There's been a lot. There has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's going on with the Raiders. Yeah. I got a fan question for you from the Sims and Lefko Reddit. What's up, fanboy? This is. Oh, no, that wasn't. No. Dr. Zarosen. Do QBs throw a long toss like baseball players to warm up each day? That's the first question. Sure. Yeah. Not, not a lot do. No. Patrick Mahomes does. Yeah, because he's a baseball player? Well, yeah, a little bit. I I would say that I would err on that more times than not. Let Did me just you throw a long loose. toss? Not like long toss, but I wasn't into oh, stand five feet in front of me and let me rifle it to your head. Whoa, I'm awesome at five feet away. No, it was just – it was it – was, I always started off with a good 15, 20-yard lob. Let me just throw it out there. Be relaxed. Create the opposites like we talk about. This is another one that I'm excited to hear your yeah. answer. What was the max that you could throw? Oh, like distance-wise? Yeah. I Would you max, bro? 76. Some, you hit that one time? Yeah, I, I could throw it like – I could always throw between 74, 76, 77 yards. And 76 was your long. 76 was my long. I did that like – Maybe once or twice, even in practice in Tampa, when I had to be Michael Vick and stuff. That was Brad Johnson. It's like my. It's like I feel like the first time I was like, man, Brad thinks I'm kind of good because you were just like I'm just. I was running around and I went. I I got done with practice after it was my rookie year, and I had to be Michael Vick and and scouts team. Yeah, which you know was a disservice to Michael Vick and our defense because I couldn't run like him. 
but I had to run around and do that and launch balls all over the field. And I got done with practice. And I remember Brad looked at me. He was like, "Man, you look good out there today." That's and awesome. I was like, "Oh, cool." And then I we watched oh, cool. the, we watched the practice film, and I threw a few of my launches. And I went back. I always go back and watch my scout team throws. Like, let me see if there's something I did. Let yeah. Me check my mechanics. And a few of the times after I threw balls, I could see Brad on the sidelines counting the yards to see how far I threw it. And I was like, "Oh, Brad's having notice. had a catch with me." Yeah. What do you think my long is? And that laugh was Josh. <laughs> you definitely can go over 40. Okay. I'm going to say you're somewhere in the 42 to 50 range. Is I that think you're, good? It's solid. I don't think you could go more than 50. I would probably say like 46. I'm going to be honest. 50 would be incredible. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like when – Well, if 50 you have to yards, throw it 50. 50 yards always sounds like a number. Yeah. And then I always think when you get on the football field right. and you realize how far like a 50-yard field goal is, it's insane. It is insane. You also – to just throw at 50 and not have any consequence for accuracy or where it's right, going, right, right. that changes things. You know, quarterback's going to throw at 50 yards and still hit the guy like right perfect We complain stride. if it's like six feet out of bounds. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, Josh, how far can Fendrick throw it? Uh, low 40s. Low, low 40s. Like maybe 39-ish, somewhere around there. Especially if we're using NFL balls, there's no way he can get over 45. It's so big. Yeah, right. right. Okay. So I, we actually might have to do that. That might actually be a worthwhile like Instagram video. That would be pretty good. Do that. My only other question coming off of that fan question, thank you again, Dr. Zerosen, was when you do that voice where you went, Oh yeah, I'm I'm so cool. Five yard throws. Can you visualize that character for me? Like, what does that character look like when you say that? Because <laughs> it's in your head. I know. I don't know if I have a visual. I don't have a visual like visualization of any certain person saying it. But when you were like, "Oh man, that was a sick five yard throw." Yeah. Like, just, what do they look like? I, I just I'm putting it to like. It's it's like dumb fanboy. That's that's all it is. I don't know. I have they no colors look. their hair. I'm actually thinking about quarterbacks more than anything that used to do that kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, that is pointless. What he's doing right so there. Which, which quarterback? Like, do you think Pey- I used to watch Peyton Manning come out and warm up to like Reggie Wayne. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Peyton Manning's the man. Okay? Yeah, I know he he could crap on me every day of the week and seven th- seven or twice on Sunday. But he used to come out and pregame warmups and. He'd literally just throw it like five feet, and like Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne used to just stand there, and he'd be like, "Huh, huh," and I'd be like, "Why? What's the point? Like, you don't you don't ever throw like that. You're never gonna make a throw like that. You're never just gonna like step into a throw like that. Like you're like war- like it just there was no realistic part of it. But it's what made him feel good, and that's what he went with. What was the backup uh, for the Browns and uh, Hard Knocks that got cut? Broban. What was his name? Brogan? Broman? Bro- yeah. Oh, yeah. Hogan. No, Brogan. No, the one this year that got cut. It wasn't. They didn't have the, the one that was like super dumb. Didn't they have the Hogan? It was- what was it? Brogan Roback. Brogan oh, Roback. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. what I, when you do that voice, that's who I think of. Right. Oh, bro, I'm going to throw a five-yard I'm pass. I'm being like crazy dad, high school kid. It's like, he throws it really good, dude. Yeah, yeah you make like a surfer. yards standing there on the sideline. All right, last one. Uh, this is from Read a Book in the oh. IGDMs. No, I will not read a book. Uh, could Sims explain why receivers will move in motion halfway across the line, then move right back where they started the play? Oh, okay. Is that just to see what kind of coverage the defense it's, is in? It's all it's about. 
So is. if somebody runs with them, they're in man. If they don't, right. Also, you're doing like you're going also throughout the week. The offensive coordinator is going. You know, when sometimes teams bring this counter motion, right? That's what we'll call it. Like the guy, the there's a tight end to the right and a receiver to the right, and the the quarterback's going to bring in the receiver to basically come to the quarterback and then go back out. They're testing the communication of the middle linebacker and everything. That's really what they're doing. Because oh. if the tight end, if the receiver, even in zone coverage, and you know it's it's zone, it's not man to man. The corner stayed. They're they're still going. There's a lot of defenses will still have. Oh wait, now it's three receivers to the side. We got to make this call and get to this coverage just to get them talking. Just to get them talking, and then all of a sudden Thinking he goes back and it goes. Oh, we got to do this. And again. You know, you can get guys. It's it's happening fast. Middle linebackers are trying to process. They're thinking a lot of things through the week and all are that happens. Are there any defenses that, even though they're playing zone, they'll run with the corner to make it seem like they're playing man? Every but now act- and then. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every now and then. Do they have to be like a really good defense to well, do that? Well, like I, we saw we saw the, the Patriots do that against Aaron Rodgers. I think I wrote that in my notes. Like a few times they brought the corners over to make it look like man-to-man. So they go, Aaron's going to go, man, it's man-to-man. I'm going to get to my man-to-man play. They're not going to stop it. And then they played zone. Mm. And they did little things like that. That Yes, a next-level quarterback's going to see it and go, this has got to be man-to-man. My follow-up to that is if there's big games and these coaches put in these super wrinkles when it's a big game. Right. Is it too exhausting to do that every week? Yes, it can be. Yes, yeah, and I think, too, what happens in the big games a lot of the times is you start to feel like, ooh, we're weak in this area. And even though I might have to go out of my comfort zone here, yeah. i got to push the envelope against a Brady and Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I just figure you so, should do that every week. I, they probably should. But as we've talked about nine million times, coaches are chicken crap for most of the time, <laughs> and they're conservative by nature, yeah. where they just don't want to do a whole lot new. This is where I'm good at. Yeah. I want us to be sound at everything. I don't trust this guy. He got a low Wonderlick score, whatever it is. There's so many things that play into I'm that. I'm going to end the podcast on this note. Uh, as the season winds down and a lot of the award season picks up and we're debating Breeze versus Mahomes and we're talking about Offensive Rookie of the Year, when it comes to Coach of the Year and everyone's debating about whether it's Andy Reid, Sean McVay, or Sean Payton, mm. I think those will be the three teams that get the most talked. Don't forget about the team with three wins. Sean McDermott. Yes, sir. Sim said it earlier. I think it's a really good one. They're in every game that they play, except for that first game against Baltimore and that one game against Indy. Both games defined by Nathan Peterman. Yeah. The Colts was Derek Anderson three days off the golf course. Sorry. So Derek Anderson and then Nathan Peterman. Right. But every other game they're in, and he goes with Matt Barkley, who was three days off the golf course. Exactly. And they drop a 41 spot on the Jets, a fake punt early in that game, a touchdown throw to an offensive guard, and pretty much signed, sealed, delivered the fate of one of his rival division coaches after they back-to-back years sold the entire team, blew it up, and are doing a drastic rebuild. Traded Ronald Darby. Right. Got rid of Cordy Glenn. Traded Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius. Eric Wood has a neck injury this year. Richie He's gone, retired. once off the team. Yes. I mean, they, and all they yeah. do is every single week that defense keeps them in the game, shuts down the offense, and they make it work. Number one defense in football. Really? The Buffalo Bills are the number one defense in football officially. And did you hear that? You hear that? You hear that? You hear that? I mean, yeah, you're knocking on the table. Okay, I just wanted you to hear it. You know what that is? You know what it is? 
please tell me. You know what it is? What? It's the final nail in Todd Bowles' coffin. It's officially sealed. Whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, after the year, it's done. That ended yeah. it. So we can move on. No, I, I, when you get a touchdown scored on you by Deion Dawkins, an offensive <laughs> lineman, That's it. by a team that like can barely score the football, yeah. and you're a defensive head coach, and the Buffalo Bills with Matt Barkley score 41 on you, yeah. it's over. It's night-night time. It's over. But I do like that you brought up the McDermott thing. He did, not that he's going to win it, and we don't no. say he should win it, but he should be talked about in that he class. He can always win the Sims and Lefko Coach of the Year award. He can. I mean, the the, the dude was – it was 9-6 to six with two minutes left in the third quarter against the Patriots. I mean, that's that just tells you what he's about. With Derek Anderson, who late in the game was got hit and said, I'm done I'm playing done. football. I'm concussed. I'm out of here. And I don't even know if I'm concussed. I just don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick, what are you going to say? Good evening. And for the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, I have the Monday afternoon of my life, and I owe it all to you. See you guys later. Holla, holla, holla. Holla, holla. Peace. Peace.